I know about now some of you are confused because you got a letter from me this week uh, reminding you that we were um, calling a new college pastor because we were moving Michael to a new role. It's not to be our worship pastor. Uh, Hunter is away at a, at a, uh, a wedding this week, and, uh, but Michael uh, graciously stepped forward and said that he would lead us in worship this morning. So we're going to now change his title. Instead of the, uh, discipleship pastor, he's the discipleship, I mean, he is the pastor of everything, pastor. He can do it all. And so I'm deeply thankful um, for him. Sen- Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts began serving in January of 2013. Since 2016, she has been a favorite target of President Donald Trump, who has disparagingly called her Pocahontas. I understand Rush Limbaugh has actually called her Pocahontas as an FAU fake whatever. I won't discuss whether the President of the United States should engage in name-calling, but the issue arose when Warren claimed Native American ancestry in her employment um, application with um, Harvard University, some suggesting doing so to gain advancement through minority status, minority quotas. Well, a few months ago at Trump's, uh, President Trump's urging, she took a DNA test, releasing the results in October, proving she did indeed have some Native American ancestry. While mostly European, apparently she is one 1,024th part Native American, less than the average American. President Trump had pledged $1 million to a charity of her choice if she took the DNA test and proved her ancestry. He has yet to donate the money. I, I share the story because DNA tests are all the rage. Spin in a cup, swab your cheek, send it in, and for about 50 to $200, depending on how much you want to spend, in about four weeks, you can discover your racial, um, ethnic ancestry. Or you can just look in a mirror. Just saying. <laughs> Most popular DNA tests include uh, MyHeritageAncestry.com, Living DNA, and GPS Origins. I thought that was kind of clever. Also, I understand there is one uh, tw- uh, 23andMe. Um, you, you might be interested to know that if you are thinking about a gift for that special someone in your life, some websites currently have a a Christmas cyber special going on. You can give a DNA test to family members. I would suggest not giving one to your brother or your sister. I mean, they would be the same. (laughs) They, They are all the rage. Did you know... Did you know, for example, this is just so funny, um, that more people took DNA tests in 2017 than all previous years combined? They're quite popular. The purpose, according to the websites I visited, again, to discover your ethnic ancestry, find out where you're from. You can find out who you are and save the trip to the top of a mountain and meditate. Discover and connect with lost relatives. Fill in your spotty medical records to determine potential health risks. You should know, however, submitting your saliva to different DNA DNA companies may, in fact, probably will bring back differing results. That's interesting. In other words, the science is not precise. I thought we were talking DNA. That's fairly precise. 
Why do I bring this, uh, all this up today? Well, I want you to know that I ran your DNA for you. No, not really. I, I don't want anyone suggesting I invaded your privacy. But if I did, I would find the following undeniable, unequivocal facts. First, I would, I would find that we all, all of us, share four common ancestors. You want to know your ancestry? I'll tell you right now for free. Actually, for about $1,000 a person, we could finish the auditorium. <laughs> Let me share it for you for free right now. Everyone on the planet shares the DNA of Adam and Eve and Noah and his wife. All of us come from them. In that sense, we are all related. I find that exciting. But, but second, if our DNA test could somehow include spiritual paternity, we would find that we are either children of God or children of the devil and from a spiritual perspective. This commonly held belief that we are all children of God, you've all heard that. No, you're not. It's not true. It is true that we are all created in the image of God, but we are not all children of God. In John chapter 8, Jesus told the Pharisees he was having a conversation with that they were of their father, the devil. Not the best way to win friends if that was your intent. Further, we are all either children of Abraham, the father of faith, or, or not. See, all of humanity can be divided. We are all either children of Isaac or children of Ishmael. Oh, not in the sense that we are either Jewish or Arab, but, but either children of the free woman or children of the slave woman. I'll let you look that up in Galatians chapter 4. Essentially, we are either ch a child of promise or not, a child of faith or not, a child of non-faith, unbelief. Divide the planet up. In our study of Hebrews, the author is writing Jewish believers who were facing severe opposition, per persecution. Martyrdom seemed to be right around the corner. As a result, some were considering quitting Christianity and returning to Judaism, going from faith to non-faith. He warns them, encourages them, don't do that. As we arrived at Hebrews 11, he is now giving a compendium of people of, of faith, many who were similarly opposed but remained faithful. In fact, many did not receive the promises but remained faith, faithful nonetheless. They remained people of faith until their dying breath. This is meant to be an encouragement to us. Today, we will see, as a result, we prove to belong to God, to be children of God. And He is not ashamed to, to be called our God. Further, He has prepared a city as an inheritance for us. You, you'll remember we've already looked at three men of faith, Abel, Enoch, and, and Noah. Interestingly, the Scripture records those, that those last two walked with God. That brought us to the next two people on the list, Abraham and, and Sarah. We began with them last week. By faith, Abraham left his, his home city, his homeland. 
This was a big deal. People were not as mobile as, as we are today. They tended to be born, live, and die in the same place. It got me, it got me thinking about it, and I figured it out. I have lived in 10 different states, five of them more than once, and two different countries. You could do the math for yourself as well. Whatever it is, it's likely unusual as compared to these people. But God appeared to Abraham and told him to go to a place he would receive as an inheritance. Amazingly, Abraham laughed, even though he did not know where he was going. Further, when he got there, Canaan, God said, look around, this is it. <laughs> it's all yours. And yet he remained an alien in the land of promise, living in a foreign land, not his homeland. They lived in tents. There were no foundations. Always mobile, never permanent. And Abraham never owned anything. Remember, Stephen said, not a foot of ground, except, except the burial plot where he buried Sarah. And when negotiating to buy that burial plot, he said, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Further, Abraham believed when God said he would have descendants as numerous as the, the sands of the seashore and stars in, in the sky. Abraham and Sarah counted the God who promised faithful, and as a result, they had Isaac, <laughs> one son, the, 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 the son of promise in their old age, when barren Sarah was past the age of childbearing and Abraham was as good as dead. But, but, but Abraham believed God, and that faith was counted to him as righteousness. You see, to be declared righteous by God has always, always been a matter of faith in God and his provision for the forgiveness of sin. Today, and for these readers, that provision is found only in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and yet, these persecuted believers were considering leaving that provision, considering leaving Jesus. And so the author writes to encourage them. God's people have always lived by faith. In the midst of opposition, live by faith. Don't know if you know it, this is a broken world. People are naturally enemies of God. You will be opposed, but, but live by faith. Don't give up. B believe. What? Consider even Abraham lived by faith, even though, even though he never received the things promised. He never received the land. He never saw the fulfillment of the promise that he would be the father of many nations. But that did not invalidate the promises. And Abraham died believing the promises of God because God is faithful. Here's an important truth. You don't hear anything else. Hear this right now. An important truth for you to grab today. God's faithfulness is not dependent on fulfilling his promises in your lifetime. That's significant. How, how did Abraham remain faithful? Verse 10 from last week. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham understood that Canaan was never the ultimate fulfillment of the promise of land. He looked forward to a heavenly city. He somehow understood that the physical descendants, that physical descendants through Isaac were never the ultimate fulfillment of the promise. Listen, the city to come would be populated by people of faith. 
bringing us to our text this morning, Hebrews 11, verses 13 to 16, say this. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. That's interesting. For those who say such things make it clear that they were seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So, here's my question, brothers and sisters. Whose blood is coursing through your veins? Oh, don't leave here and misquote me, suggesting that I said that you have divine blood. You don't. Well, and do. I'm suggesting as people of faith, God is our Father and our God. He's not ashamed to be called our God. And He is preparing a city, the city to come for us. We are strangers and aliens, citizens of another country. Listen, listen very carefully. Our DNA is somewhere else. I'll give you a brief outline of the text. Here's my purpose, though, this morning. I, to remind you, as people of faith, this place is not our ultimate home. We, too, are strangers and aliens on earth. And we, too, are seeking a country of our own. Do those DNA tests if you want. Find out where you're from in this melting pot that we call the U.S. But more importantly, let me remind you that it's not where you are from that matters, but where you are going. What matters is where you belong. And all of humanity is divided in two. Those of faith and those not. So what would your spiritual DNA show? Here's the outline. We're going to see the, our already not yet promise and then our country to come and then our God and I would add our Father. Do you understand that the president of our country and the United States senator are having a spat over DNA ancestry, calling names, Republicans and Democrats, both leaders in their respective parties at their best. To be clear, I love our country. I, I'm proud to be a U.S. citizen. I, I love its freedoms, particularly the freedom of religion, one of the main tenets of its founding. But as she rapidly declines, we, we are reminded we belong to a different country, a heavenly one. We have a different DNA. Think of it this way. When God took out our hearts of stone and gave us hearts of flesh, it started pumping different blood. Don't get wrapped up in the silly spats of this life, which can often evidence itself in racism. Am I European, Native American, Asian, African? Frankly, I don't care. I'm a citizen of heaven. With God as my father and you, regardless of ethnicity, nationality, or race, 
You are created in the image of God. Further, if you are a follower of Christ, you are my brother and sister. It matters not where we've been. It matters where we're going. Verse 13 says, all these, likely referring to Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob, all these died in faith. They maintained their faith till their dying breath. Notice, without receiving the promises, namely the land, the descendants as numerous as sands and stars. True, Abraham and Sarah did have one son of promise. In fact, Hebrews 6 is rather confusing. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, multiply you. And so having pa- Abraham, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. What? That's confusing. Did Abraham receive the promise or not? Chapter 6 says yes. Chapter 11 says no. Which is it? Well, he received a son named Isaac in fulfillment of the promise, but he never received the fullness of the promises. We will come back to that because neither have you. Not yet. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, but only one was the son of promise. Jacob had 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of uh, of Israel. But when Jacob went to Egypt because of a famine, he left the land of promise with only 70 in his family. That's a big family to have around the Thanksgiving table, but hardly the number God promised. And Jacob died in Egypt. And as we saw last week, these three, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even Jacob's 12 sons, listen, even Jacob's 12 sons did not receive the land of promise. (laughs) So where's the land? Where's the great nation? Father of multitude? Further, God said through a descendant of Abraham, all the nations of the world would be blessed. We understand that a descendant of Jacob through Judah through the line of David, the Messiah would be born. His, his name is Jesus. And yes, through him, all the nations of the world are being blessed. But to be clear, not a one of them lived to see the fulfillment of any of those promises. And, neither, and, and nor have believers for the last 2,000 years. And yet they died in faith, having seen the promises and welcomed them from a distance that is temporal, not spatial. It's not like they were a long way, it's a long way away in time, which means they saw them with eyes of faith and believed them, even though they did not receive them in this life. Does this nullify or make void the promises of God? Certainly not, because God is faithful and his write it down, his faithfulness is not dependent on the fulfillment of his promises in our lifetimes. Not only that, in welcoming them from a distance, they confessed that they were strangers and and, and exiles on earth. In other words, they understood they didn't belong here. This place was not their home. This is quite interesting. Remember, the as yet unfulfilled promise was the promise of the land of Canaan. And, 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 And even though they lived in Canaan for a while, they did not receive it. They were strangers and exiles in that land, yes, but they and they never received a foot of it. But that's not what verse 13 says. It says they were strangers on earth. You see, the truth is it did not matter where they lived, what title deeds they had. This place was not their home. How does this relate to us as readers? Have the promises been fulfilled in, to us or not? 
Like Abraham, yes and no. You see, it depends. Yes, the land of promise was given to the Israelites. Yes, the nation of Israel became large, in a sense, as numerous as stars and sand. But, but that's not it. Just as the land of promise was ultimately a spiritual land, a, a city to come, so also were the descendants, spiritual descendants, those who would be people of faith and as such become descendants of Abraham. And the promise of a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Judah, the family of David, has come. That is, after all, what we celebrate this month. That's why we have all the decorations up, right? At Christmas, and by the way, Easter. Jesus the Messiah was born, and he came to be a blessing to all those who would believe the gospel. But the fullness of those promises, even to us, has not yet come. Yes, we enjoy a relationship with God, as we'll see in verse 16, such that he is our God. But we are not yet living in the fullness of his kingdom in a city, in the city that he has prepared for us. Is this it? I surely hope not. We are looking for even longing, as we just sang a few moments ago, for the second coming of Christ, when we will inherit the kingdom in all its fullness. Until then, we too confess that we are strangers and aliens, exiles on earth, looking for a city to come. Which brings us quickly to our second point, our country to come, verses 14 and 15. For those who say such things, that is that they are strangers here, this place is not my home, they make it clear that they were seeking a country of their own. Interesting, now it's not just a city, now it's a whole country. And we remember the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Well, am I or am I not? It depends. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of the household of God. We, We were, you see, strangers in the household of God. We did not belong, but no longer. Through the gospel, we have been brought near. We have changed our citizenship. And we are of the household of God. But that does something for our citizenship here. Peter tells us about it it in 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as what? Aliens and strangers. Wait a minute. Am I or am I not? Yes and no. You are an alien and stranger here. You are not an alien and stranger there. You are of the people of God, and it is for that city that we live. We are a holy nation and people belonging to God with a country yet to come, a country of our own. Notice verse 15. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return, meaning if Abraham and Sarah wanted to, they could have returned to Ur of the Chaldeans, their homeland, right? No. No. They were not thinking of that country either, but another. That country no longer mattered. Again, just to be clear, nothing wrong with DNA tests to show where you're from. Go ahead. If you want to do that, go ahead. But that is not home. Any more than Ur was for them. You see, as it is, verse 16, final point in conclusion, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, because they have their eyes fixed on that which is to come, the final and full fulfillment of the promises of God, God is not ashamed to be called their God. One of my commentators says it this way, God is not ashamed to be called their God because they took him at his word. 
We believe them. Even if we don't see the fulfillment in our lifetime. It doesn't nullify the promises of God. Just as chapter 2 said Jesus was not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters, so also God is not ashamed to be called their God. I, I love that. We remember a number of places in Scripture say that he is right now the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're dead. They're gone. How is it that he is their God? He is right now because this is not all there is. I suppose that we could say that they are now living in the fullness of the kingdom as citizens of heaven. They have received it. And notice he is not ashamed to be called their God. Even more than that, this is absolutely amazing. I pointed out that Enoch and and Noah were both said to have walked with God. But look at what James says about Abraham. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness right out of Genesis 15. And he was called, listen, the friend of God. Are are, Are you kidding me? Can I therefore say God is not ashamed of calling us who believe in him friend? Not in an overly familiar sense, but in the sense that we walk together in fellowship with God. So I said he calls me friend. Further, he has prepared a city for us. This is the not yet part of the promise for which we wait. Yes, Abraham's descendants are as numerous as the sands of the seashore, stars in the sky, and we are part of that. Yes, all of the nations of the world have been and are being blessed through a descendant of Abraham through Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus himself told his disciples that he's going to prepare a place for them, that if he goes, he's going to come back, as we just sang, as Michael just reminded us, he's going to come back and get us so that where he is, we can be also. And yes, God has prepared a place, a city for us. And we await the final and full fulfillment of that promise. And it does not matter if the promise is fulfilled in our lifetimes. We will nonetheless believe until our dying breath. Let's pray.